Today's National Poetry Month poem of the day, as you probably guessed, is What Happens to a Dream Deferred by Langston Hughes. I've also seen this called Harlem's poem is titled Harlem, and it's part of the Harlem Renaissance, so I guess that makes sense. But here we have Hughes asking what does happen. And by the way, if you don't agree with my poetry analysis, start your own podcast and write your own. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad you tuned in mine. Hey, this is Trent Lorcher, and welcome to the Teaching ELA Podcast, where I help ELA teachers thrive in and out of the classroom. In this podcast, I discuss real teaching for real classrooms, whether it's a specific piece of literature, teaching strategy, or life strategy. I talk about things ELA teachers need. I promise that with each podcast episode, you'll have something you can use today. It's National Poetry Month. I'm sure by now you're all familiar with ELA, right? But are you familiar with having dozens and dozens of handouts and lesson plans? You don't need to imagine this, just like you don't need to imagine the awesomeness of ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. Each of the, each poetry unit is teacher ready, student ready. Just print, make copies, and uh, ask your boss for a raise. So last time uh, we talked about dreams. Thanks and huge dreams. This was a... Uh, I, I like to teach these poems together. Uh, this is what happens to a dream deferred. I'm going to quickly review the steps for writing a, for doing a poetry analysis. First thing you do, print out the poem. This is a short poem. Your students could even copy it. In fact, I, I find that students copying a poem is actually quite useful. Really uh, makes an impression in their not just on their paper but in their minds. But some students write sloppy, so maybe the printed copy is fine too. Hey, it's your class, right? I'm going to tell you how to how to do your job. Just trying to. Share some tidbits. Again, uh, annotate the poem using the following steps. Identify the rhyme scheme. Identify the meter. Any examples of strain from the meter. We call this rhythm. Poem's difficult, which this one isn't. Summarize each stanza. Circle important words, ambiguous words, and words you need to look up. Circle examples of figurative language. Stop right there. Figurative language. This is is metaphors and similes. Personification. So if you're going to teach one thing with this poem, I didn't add this to to yesterday's podcast episode. If you're going to add one thing... That sound can only mean one thing. It means it's time for the one thing. That's right. If there's one thing, it's going to be this right here. If you're going to teach one thing from this poem, it's got to be a metaphor. All right. And, uh, of course, you're going to impress your... Okay. The rhyme scheme is... It says label above. <laughs> you can't see it. So I'm going to tell you. It is XAXA. B, X, B, X, C. That's the rhyme scheme. The lines ending the questions rhyme, as do the last two. The end rhyming of the question along with the punctuation add emphasis and forces a subconscious pause, evoking thought. The poem's speaker wants the reader to think about the question. Why else would you ask it? The poem's, uh, the dashes interrupt the flow, intimating that the speaker is also pondering and not quite sure where the deferred dreams are headed. Note that there is no dash in the last three lines as the deferred dreamer does what only he can, cause violence. By the way, uh, deferred means delayed or students would probably want it. A lot of them won't. We do. They might not. There is no set meter or form, much like a dream. Form reflects content. We talked about this when we talked about dreams. Alliteration examples uh, include the S sound and sugar and syrupy sweet. It lends sluggishness and negativity to things that are normally considered cheery, right? When I think of sugar, I'm like, ah, my brain's like, immediate reward. <laughs> syrupy sweet. <laughs> That's the general reaction. But uh, in this case, the sh- it's kind of, it's sluggish. It's like, well, you're taking something really good and cheery and turn it into <laughs> Images include dried up raisins, festering sores, rotting meat, crusting sugar, and heavy loads. You know, maybe imagery would be a better thing. I'm going to include an imagery and a uh, figurative language in poetry lesson. Im- I- 
I forgot about how, I don't know if the poem's right in front of me. How could I forget, right? These images are passive. The subject in each one is doing nothing, just letting the natural course of rotting to take effect. This is important that the images of, uh, the images are of rot. They're of, uh, life's happening to them, which happens if, if you don't have any dreams, life just happens to you, right? Langston Hughes, oh, sorry, the predominant literary device used in this poem is simile. Note that the images using similes are passive images. A simile, after all, is an indirect comparison. The only comparison using a metaphor, a direct comparison, is the exploding dream, a violent image contrasting the passivity of the other images. Langston Hughes was a primary member in a literary movement known as the Harlem Renaissance. Hughes and other Harlem Renaissance writers sought to express the spirit of black America. Now, if I were writing a poetry analysis, I would begin with the poem's theme. In What Happens to a Dream Deferred, Langston Hughes uses imagery and figurative language to show how an oppressed people can turn from passivity to violence if not allowed to pursue their God-given rights. So again, this is something if you're if you assign uh, an imagery um, assignment, if you do an imagery chart or a figurative language chart, your students would have all this information on those charts. Kind of recap, I was a little bit all over the place. This is the seventh podcast episode I recorded today. It was testing day, so I was full of energy. Didn't do anything all day except sit around and make sure people weren't uh, looking up answers on, on their computers. But it's a little bit all over the place. But just to recap here, a couple of takeaways. When you teach this poem, I highly rec- recommend you do a poetry analysis. Again, review day one of the National po- Podcast. Give you a good idea. Annotation and literary analysis. And I added a bit in this podcast. Takeaway number two, uh, make sure students understand metaphor, simile, and uh, in their explanations and their analysis, explain why. Hughes uses a simile sometimes. Sometimes he uses a metaphor, and what these similes, uh, what, what what these similes represent, and of course imagery. The images, the images are strong. Rotting meat. You ever smelled rotting meat? I have. One time when I was uh, well, a long time ago, went down to the old Norwalk Reservoir and uh, caught me some bluegill. My brother and I, and we got back and we didn't feel like cleaning them, so we grabbed a pot out of uh, the kitchen, filled it with water, stuck the fish in, put it in the garage because we we're gonna skin those fish later, right? Well, one day turned into three weeks, and one day my mom walked into the garage and said, what's that smell? We knew her. And you're going to be in trouble if you keep listening to me. Get to work! Thanks for listening to the Teaching ELA podcast. For more teacher-ready, student-ready lesson plans, head on over to ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com. That's ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, where we have hundreds of lesson plans and handouts that are ready to use right now. And as always, if this podcast has helped you thrive in the classroom, we'd appreciate a like and a review. 